This episode of the podcast was recorded on the 1st of August 2023 at home in Wicklow and in it I offer my thoughts and reflections on the passing of Sinead O'Connor, the great Irish singer, songwriter um, and voice of, of truth. Um, yeah, so I talk about her and share my own sort of response, my own feelings about what she represented to me. Uh, I include at the end of the episode uh, a clip from an episode of the podcast I recorded over 18 months ago when I spoke about the passing of her her son um, and I just included that again uh, in this episode because it felt um, it still felt very relevant what I said then and there's crossover into areas of of mental health and wellness and self-care and attitudes to mental unwellness that I addressed in that. Um, the rest of the episode moves away from that and focuses on two really great films that I, I watched. One is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. The other is not Greta Gerwig's Barbie. I'm not sure if I want to see that. But the other is actually Todd Field's Tar, which was out towards the end of last year with Kate Blanchett. And I just found those two movies, I think they're good companion pieces, focusing as they do on um, singular individuals who are brilliant but flawed and whose stories hold our attention in brilliant ways because they're told by brilliant filmmakers and performed by two very good actors. Um, and a point I didn't make but wanted to was that they are a great antidote to the superhero movie fatigue syndrome, which I think uh, has affected a lot of people. So two great you know one great thing about both movies that there's not a bit of spandex in sight no capes no masks no superpowers uh different kinds of superpowers if you if you like um but it's a different kind of stimulation it's a different kind of provocation for for the mind for the soul and i found it very 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 welcome so that's that's what's coming up that's what I'm talking about so you've got Sinead you've got Oppenheimer and you've got Tar and on the back of each movie I draw a couple of um, mental health connections I try and tether some some thoughts um, that I, I believe each movie uh, helps to 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 raise so see what you make of that i hope you enjoy it um and the episode concludes today with uh, a Sinead song that i i take the liberty uh, to sing myself so um listen to that if you dare okay i'll see you around the corner
Cheers. Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to the Clear Out. You're very welcome. I hope this finds you in a good moment in time. Do you want to take a beat and check in with yourself? You might think, no, 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 I don't need to do that. Well, maybe you do. Don't uh, don't dismiss yourself so lightly. How often do you get that moment? How often do you give yourself time to hold yourself and check in with yourself and listen to yourself? And maybe you don't want to because maybe that's just a bit too much. Maybe there are things you simply do not want to deal with. And that is, that's okay. It probably won't help you in the long run. Avoidance generally generally doesn't. But um, if you have the head on, if you have the headspace, if you have the, the fortitude, the resources to check in with yourself in a meaningful way, in an intentional way, I'm giving you permission right now. Isn't that nice of me? How grand. But I'm giving you permission. I want you to give yourself permission to take a beat and go, I will just check in with myself. I will see if I can pull myself into some semblance of alignment. Or I may fully embrace my disarray I may fully embrace my disjointedness my disconnection this broken moment of myself and that's okay I might just sit beside myself and put an arm around this iteration of me and go it's alright this moment will pass Another moment is coming. Whoop, there it is. Feel any different? No, exactly the same. Okay, you might have to you might have to sit here for a while. But it will eventually pass. And you will eventually find yourself in a different moment, in a different space. And that space may give you a greater sense of possibility. It may give you a greater sense of forward momentum. there that was a deliberate pause i didn't rush in to fill the space to fill the void i think there's a lot of that there's a lot of frantic reactivity a lot of rushing to fill the void to fill that quiet moment with something something anything other than stillness anything other than silence anything other than running the risk of having to face oneself anything but running the risk of having to listen to one's what pain grief sadness 
ones howl from deep inside. It's okay. It's part of being who we are. Humans, we're pretty messy. We're pretty complex. We're pretty all over the shop. We're contradictory. We're a nightmare on so many levels. Self-tormentors and tormentors of others. And yet, so much better expressed by Shakespeare than me. (laughs) Capable of so many lovely things. So many lovely, lovely things. Okay, so this isn't coming from nowhere. It's not coming from nowhere. I'm feeling very reflective. I'm feeling quite still in myself, which is a nice feeling. And I am wondering where I should begin. Um, I... Yeah, I suppose I want to begin with just an acknowledgement of last week's episode. If you listened to last week's episode, you may or may not have detected anything. I I, I spoke, maybe not at length, but I spoke about having had a difficult day. And I, as usual, I'd left myself a tiny window in which to record the podcast. And... I simply was not in very good form at all. In fact, I was in really bad form when I recorded the episode and I could barely, I could barely access a clear thought or a clear connective dynamic that I usually depend on to put out an episode to record what I do record once a week and it wasn't until the next day that I realized how fully discombobulated I was how fully sort of in a state of distress I was now I think I addressed it very directly last week it wasn't in on any level and this isn't either a cry for, you know, it wasn't a cry for help. God, I wasn't playing that tiny violin. It wasn't a pity party. I was just getting on with it. And I, and I was trying to acknowledge that. And I know without having listened back to the episode that it probably didn't have much of a sense of direction or focus or lucidity particularly and I feel I want to apologize for that Um, but at the same time I want to fully acknowledge that my mental health was really poor um, that day and I managed to have quite like a, a fairly functional day in spite of that and you see I can I can measure that I can mark that and go that's progress that's progress to where I was or how I would have reacted 25, 26, 27 years ago. Um, that's huge progress that I didn't 
uh, compound my um, my day of personal internal crisis. I didn't compound it with bad behavior. I didn't compound it with bad patterns, with you know, with extra helpings of self-recrimination and self-judgment. Um, and so to get to the end of that day and to sit down and record the podcast as I normally do on my on my seat, <laughs> thinking in my seat and just letting it flow. Um, I go to myself, well done. <laughs> well done me. Um, but I do, I do apologize if you listened and were like, eh, that really wasn't that good, was it? That wasn't that interesting or enjoyable and lacked a bit of energy and dynamism. Um, but I think I'm viewing it as an artifact, an artifact of one person's um, true moment. Um, and that was me. That was me. And I was in a moment that I wasn't enjoying at all on any level. Um, and I've had I've had a few days like that of late. They're just kind of cropping up. And I did say last week I was going to try and get to the bottom of it. And I haven't yet. Um, broadly speaking, I'm not enduring a spell of anxiety. Um... I'm not I'm not going to try. I'm not going to sit here and try and work it out as I record. That doesn't feel quite uh, appropriate. Um it feels self-indulgent and a bit narcissistic. So I'm going to let it go for now. But but it is I'm not doing this by accident. I want to speak about mental health. I want to speak about self-care. I want to speak about moments of vulnerability moments of brokenness um moments of as i referred to it earlier internal crisis um and i want to speak about it because it feels timely because uh, we've just lost um a very significant consistently authentic consistently vulnerable consistently true voice in the person of Sinead O'Connor who died last week um, in uh, circumstances that are not being treated as suspicious by the by the police in London where she was found in her apartment having recently moved over to London um my sense is the 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 widespread speculation is that it may have been it may have been suicide and i'm not saying that lightly i'm not saying that salaciously and i'm not even speculating that strongly that that was the case i'm just saying that's what i've heard other people offer speculate infer from the circumstances of Sinead O'Connor's life in the last couple of years. Um, it may have been a pharmacological 
uh, accident or mishap um, akin to the way some other high profile people have passed away um, and again I'm not suggesting like a, a drug overdose as such but maybe something that was taken to to dull the pain to quiet the voices um, yeah I think I my assumption is that Sinead O'Connor wasn't in a very good place and hadn't been um, particularly since the the death of her her son by suicide in January of last year um, and I spoke about that then and I'll decide by the end of this recording whether I'll include that clip at the end of today's episode because it feels just as relevant now in the context of Sinead O'Connor's death as it did then in the context of her son's death and it's just another moment of of great sadness and a moment of acute loss um nationally internationally she was uh, kind of a, a beloved an inspirational figure and lived out her her life in a very in a very sort of naked way um no matter what she did she was ineffably herself and it was clear at different stages in her life that she was desperately searching for something, some sort of meaning or some sort of uh, shape that would help her hold herself together and help her channel her spirit um, in a way that was functional and meaningful. Um and I, I mean, I referred to that in that that episode when I spoke about her son's death. That how you know she tried on many different hats over the years. Um, but regardless of that, the the through line was her her authenticity, her outspokenness, her her rawness, her ability to. Probably to make people uncomfortable with how frank and candid she was about the things she cared about. Um, often, often ferociously attacking institutions that she felt had failed vulnerable people in this country particularly. Um, obviously, famously, she was on that corner from a very young age from a very young age when she appeared on Saturday Night Live and at the end of her song held up a photograph of the Pope and ripped it up into several pieces as a, a statement of protest against the Catholic Church and the abuses it had perpetrated um, against so many uh, innocent children particularly I think um, and so many young mothers, so many people um, in this country and elsewhere. 
and the the kind of the cover up that went on there, the hiding of those crimes, the moving of of uh, abusive priests around different orders and parishes, um, you know, shameless, shameless cover ups and shameless behaviour, and disgusting. Uh, and I've spoken about that before um, on different episodes. Uh, unconnected to Sinead O'Connor and her own her own crusades um, but yeah I've been a fan I've been a fan of Sinead um, from as soon as she appeared I found her sort of amazing and um, beautiful and inspirational um, and I haven't followed her music through the years Um but it was always her. I just thought she was interesting and cool and I really respected her and kind of loved her and was so proud of her as, uh, you know, an Irish person uh, sticking it to the man, as an Irish woman walking her own path and not not playing the game, not allowing herself be pushed into any particular shape to suit expectations of others and to suit the expectations probably of a music industry of a, of a media that would go no you're a you're a young beautiful woman you're a, a rock star pop star whatever um singer songwriter you should behave like this you should look like this and she you know <laughs> right from the off she's like uh-uh, no way jose i'm playing this my way you're going to meet me on my terms or to hell with you basically um and i think it came it came at great i I don't know like i I was going to say it came at great cost to her but i don't think she would have had it any other way and i don't think there's any question that she had some profound mental health troubles of her own um over the years and they've been very public at times and very messy um and her sort of unraveling in the fullness of her grief in the immediate aftermath of her son's death was particularly harrowing and confronting and and awful and 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 pitiful um and yeah it's it's just so sad it's just so sad i can't i can't separate that event and that time with her own passing last week um and my heart is just a bit broken you know for her and selfishly for for myself (laughs) and for anyone who continued to sort of hold her in a special place so um yeah, it's. I mean, she 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 just belongs to a very particular group of people, who just kept that torch aloft, alight and aloft, um, and did so consistently, um, in a way. Maybe I should have spoken about her. Um, last. Last November, I did an episode on outspoken, idealistic figures, and I focused on Bono from U2. 
I focused on Bruce Springsteen and I focused on Spike Lee and I refer to them as preacher men who in their earnestness and in their sincerity were often very self-indulgent and very uncool um, almost almost out of control with their their passion and their their convictions and their righteousness but I kind of love it <laughs> and it can be hit and miss in terms of the art but I really respect that they they what they know what they, what they represent and it's funny um a friend of mine how are you Ian if you're listening a friend of mine sent me a little quote I don't have it here because I, 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 I just didn't put it keep it to hand but essentially it was something Sinead O'Connor said you know uh, at some point in, in the past about just hoping that Bono wouldn't be let uh, speak at her funeral because he just shite on too much <laughs> which again just that great you know, just her way of kind of undercutting the pomposity um, and her own kind of self-deprecation. Um, my friend also pointed out to me that he had a memory of me back in the mid-90s saying that there should be a special space carved out for Sinead O'Connor as a national treasure in the way that the English are so good at... Um, so good at bestowing that status on certain beloved figures in in popular culture in England somebody like Stephen Fry comes to mind a national treasure Judy Dench surely is a national treasure uh, I've no problem endorsing her um, probably not, not much of a problem endorsing Stephen Fry either he's had his own messy spells God love him but um <laughs> I had these poor, massively successful people. Um, but yes, I was sort of, I don't know, I, I, I was quite heartened that I was on the Sinead O'Connor thing way back when. Um, sometimes I forget I wasn't a complete idiot, uh, you know, when I was younger. Um, but anyway, so all of that is simply is simply just my way of saying, you know, goodbye, Sinead. Uh, I always loved you. I thought you were fantastic. And you will be missed by me and many, many, many others. And, yeah, I think I will. I think I will put that clip on at the end of today's episode from um, from January of, of last year because it's, specifically about Sinead and her loss then um, but I I also speak just about the, the broader need for how we how we regard mental health and how we regard people in crisis um, and I think and just, just a final word there on Sinead O'Connor and part of that journey for her I think there was I certainly would have come across people who would have sort of ridiculed her and ridiculed that messiness and ridiculed that vulnerability and, you know, we're all too happy maybe to take cheap shots at her. Um, 
and that's part of the problem obviously it's part of the problem when that's the response and that's a response that's born of cynicism it's a response that's born of being afraid to to look at or be with emotional and psychological distress and emotional and psychological unraveling um and i think the more we can the more we can just accept that that's not the defining thing about a person i think that's probably a good way to think about it that maybe people just go oh here we go here's this one again oh here's this fella again oh jesus she's not crapping on about that oh fuck there he is wanging on again about depression and we've got to get comfortable with it we've got to get comfortable with it so across society we can just accommodate it better because that would help and it's also it's also more bloody mature and it's also more caring it's also more decent and it's being there's a certain selflessness a certain altruism to go I'll sacrifice my desire for comfort so I can help somebody else. I'll sacrifice my desire for for comfort and the kind of the cleanness of my safe space just so I can lend somebody an ear, just so I can let them be heard or let them be seen because that's a big part of helping and that doesn't cost that much. Okay, so I'm going to move on. Um... I spoke not very well last week, I feel, about a couple of movies. Um, Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City and William Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. So I'm going to try and atone for my sins this week. And I'm going to talk about a couple of other movies um, and see <laughs> see in what, way I can, in what way I can tether them to a broader... Um, a broader mental health or a broader wellness context. I may I may not do that because the, the films in their own right stand up so well. I mentioned last week I was going to go and see Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Um, and I did. I went with my brother Danny uh, last week. And we attended a packed cinema down in Arklow and that was a bit of an event all of its own just to be in a busy cinema again I think the last time I was in a packed cinema I was still living in Melbourne and it would have been one or two years before we came back Um, so it would have been 2018 or 2019 and I went to see Martin Scorsese's The Irishman and it was a packed and very hot cinema in in Elsternwick in Melbourne in the classic cinema there which I uh, that was my kind of go-to cinema for the 10 years I was in Melbourne great little cinema um, really nice great um, great scheduling of a lot of good interesting movies and that was an event The Irishman was an event um, and once again here we are Oppenheimer and Greta Gerwig's Barbie combined they were released together last 
weekend or the weekend before last and have absolutely exploded across the world and drawn huge crowds. There's just been this huge shot in the arm for cinema numbers, for cinema attendances. And I was told by a guy working at the cinema last week that the previous night they'd had 2,000 people in. And he said mostly it's been Barbie driving it. But um, I went to see, when when Dan, Danny and I went to see Oppenheimer in the, the IMAX screen there, and that was packed. And right, you know, right from the off then, you had this sense of occasion. Um, and it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was roasting and you could see people getting up men i think more so than than the women that i noticed but men standing up just soaked through their the backs of their shirts or t-shirts i was somewhere in between um but but danny was like glued to his seat um but yeah the the movie was great it was great it was powerful and haunting and brilliant um and i suppose my my first thoughts were that was an adult film made for adults um and full of boffiny sciencey quantum physicy dialogue um and exposition at times uh, but full of great performances, no matter how small, and great actors, um, both male and female, um, with a terrific central performance by Killian Murphy. Um, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. And I suppose... I don't want to do any spoilers because it's 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 still very early in its release and if you're listening you may be considering going to see it so I do not want to to ruin anything for you um of course it's all of uh historical record so yeah you probably have a strong sense of the story anyway and that fundamentally it it uh it is driven by the the work of uh, Robert J. Oppenheimer, who is attributed with basically coming up with the the smarts, the ideas, the formulae, formula, whichever, to create the atom bomb. Um, and that is one of the two bombs that were dropped on nagasaki and hiroshima at the end of the second world war and the the movie and this is a a a hallmark um of christopher nolan's it it plays with time so it's sort of a three-part um timeline which jumps around and intercuts and intersects and you're sometimes in the present sometimes in the past sometimes further in the past and on one level it's a kind of character study and biopic of Oppenheimer um on another level it's it's um a, you know a study of, of of great men or a 
great man and the enemies a great man might attract over a lifetime um it's it's also it's also a look at the the emergence uh, of the of the early days of the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, um, and it is maybe most excitingly about the the specific work and tests that led to the first big test detonation of the the you know the the, the, the prototype atom bomb um and it's all it's all kind of pinned on Killian Murphy's very slim shoulders and he yeah he's really good he's really good and plays plays Oppenheimer with a lot of nuance and subtlety um and Christopher Nolan gives us a lot of different perspectives on him even though we spent a huge amount of time with him um there's no shying away from the complexity of of the person um and the sort of maybe pathological or perhaps neurodiverse or whatever or however you might like to describe the personality um an interesting an interesting combination of things um and the some of the other major characters in the movie um to to women uh two very significant women in oppenheimer's life um a wife played by emily blunt a lover uh played by florence Pugh, um uh a sort of comrade and mm, what a comrade a guide a benefactor a protector um played by played with a lot of humor and great sort of charisma by matt damon um uh, an antagonistic fellow scientist played by benny Safdie of the Safdie brothers um and then maybe most most sort of potently um the the small man um the small man offended the small man insulted rubbed the wrong way uh and then determined to to extract his pound of flesh is uh robert downey jr um and these are all based on historical figures um and really really good really really good um robert downey jr quite a, a slippery performance and he just kind of holds back and holds back which is not really robert downey jr's natural impulse generally um and he's an actor i, I struggle with sometimes with his kind of busyness and his stickiness 
and his little ticks and his little tricks and his cuteness and he he stays away from most of that thankfully in this it's one of his, his his better performances in my opinion um but he reminded me uh, particularly later in the film he reminded me of Salieri to F Murray Abraham's Salieri to Tom Hulse's Amadeus in uh, Milos Forman's Amadeus which was what, what year was that? Was that 83? Was that 83 or 84? Didn't F. Murray Abraham win the Best Supporting Actor? He, that's a great performance. That is a great performance. He is dark. An actor so capable of darkness. F. Murray Abraham. See also Scarface um, and the brutal end that he comes to in that movie. I'm talking about Brian De Palma's 1983 Scarface. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Danny Junior. He reminded me of of Salieri. Um. Yeah. Just. Just. Containing, his indignation. Containing, his sense of. Of of being offended, the slight, and it's it's such a throwaway moment when that actually occurs. Um, um, Oppenheimer Gillian Murphy just makes a little throwaway comment which is indicative of his his insensitivity of his sometime poor interpersonal skills his poor social skills he wasn't really there to finesse anyone and indeed you get to go on that journey with him and see him at his most confident, his most arrogant, maybe even hubristic. Um, but overall, I think an enormously sympathetic and humanising portrait of a massively significant historical figure. And there's a, a whole section of the film which is um, a tribunal. Uh, well, no, a tribunal, uh, sorry, a Senate hearing to to ratify Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Um, and that that is that was immediately, to me, evocative of The Godfather 2. And Christopher Nolan makes some interesting... Uh, choices in terms of the cinematography and the film stock and the film aspect to to differentiate these different times and different moments in Oppenheimer's life and there's also um, a much less public much less grand type of trial that plays out behind closed doors when Oppenheimer is truly being the, the the victim of a witch hunt and he is cross-examined and interrogated with a nice a nice streak of sort of right wing um fanaticism and zeal uh by the Australian actor Jason Clark um really really good in that role uh so yeah 
So lots of good things. And yeah, some great visual flourishes. Um, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, both really, really good. Uh, you know, two of the, two of the um, probably most compelling actresses working in, in cinema uh, today. Um, just very, very strong presences um, in any movies they appear in. And yeah, the the companion piece or companion pieces I would recommend to to take in if you're considering seeing the movie. It, you should go and listen to the two episodes dedicated to Oppenheimer on the Rest Is History podcast, and. That sort of fills in some of the things that aren't discussed so clearly in the movie. Um, but brilliant, um, brilliant work as usual from the two presenters of The Rest is History. Um, so that would be a great compliment uh, to watch, to, you know, to listen to either before or after, um, after seeing the movie. I went back and listened again to the first one of those episodes after seeing the movie just to refresh my memory um, and enjoyed it even more because now I could populate the podcast with the, the actors uh, and their character characterizations as, as seen the movie. So, yeah, really, really well worth watching, I think. And um, as I said haunting haunting in terms of the the significance of the of that technology the significance of that science and what it led to um and yeah the the movie leaves us leaves us at a very particular point with a very particular impression of oppenheimer um if you listen to that second episode on the rest is history about Oppenheimer and the rest is history podcast on Oppenheimer that fills out that picture a bit more and will leave a very um, a very different impression um, and that complexity is very welcome so I'd recommend that as well um, in terms of In terms of mental health, <laughs> here comes the tether. In terms of mental health, I was trying to think, there's a couple of things to take away from Oppenheimer. Like one is, you know, is living with, with what you've done, living with what you've created um, and living with what you've created and lost control of. And also thinking about who do you trust with what you've created? Who do you trust with something truly precious that's come from you? Who do you trust with something that's very integral? to who you are and what you're what you've you've worked on 
um, that is inextricably linked to you as a person they're I think they're very important questions if you're talking about self-care if you're talking about personal responsibility um, obviously in Oppenheimer the technology is is the bomb and ultimately Oppenheimer gives that technology to the military and that is a very key moment in the movie when they take that away physically um, and he's like okay what happens now and it's like your work here is done <laughs> now it's ours and whatever your intentions were for this technology we have some rather different ideas and some very different agendas and objectives um, so it's I suppose in a mental health context in a wellness context it's choose you know choose your confidants carefully you know choose choose who you share parts of yourself with that are maybe most precious or most have the most potential to to harm you choose carefully who you you share that stuff with um i mean and that's an important part of you know being open and being vulnerable you can't you well, you, you, you you might not be able to help yourself but knowing the right audience knowing the the right people to share that with that's an important part of navigating that and negotiating that and being able to being able to grow or draw strength from that and yeah it's um if you choose the wrong bedfellows so to speak that can really go pear-shaped very quickly and if we stay with the bomb of course that metaphor lends itself very well to things that can explode in your face and potentially destroy you i mean that would be the the, the worst end of it but sometimes we can feel like that and sometimes sometimes in a, in moments of personal crisis things can feel catastrophic they can feel like they're going to change the world forever and that 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 can be a very central part of the sense of being overwhelmed and and that's you know that's something that Christopher Nolan conveys very well in the in the movie um the overwhelming nature of of the bomb and the, the, those explosions so um so yeah there you go okay another movie another adult movie for adults uh is tar by todd field not todd fields as i refer to him um back in back in whatever episode i was talking about him uh todd field 
brought uh, tar to the world towards the end of last year with an extraordinary uh, and utterly brilliant and compelling performance by Kate Blanchett, that amazing Australian actor, um, as the title character, Lydia Tarr, a classical music conductor at the very pinnacle of her career, at the very top of her game. And the movie over quite a long time, it's not quite as long as Oppenheimer is three hours, so wear comfortable trousers. <laughs> Don't drink too much. Um, Tar, I think, is two, about two and three quarters hours, so of similar length, um, but a very different movie. Um, but I think kind of in ways a far more daring movie than Oppenheimer Um, because it's almost at times it is a a type of of slow cinema a type of slow cinema Um, just these long dialogue heavy scenes and Ultimately, Tar, and again, I'll try to go very light on 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 spoilers in case you haven't seen it yet, and I highly recommend it. But fundamentally, it's uh, a study of probably a study of of hubris, um, a study of of ego. A study of greatness and brilliance and a type of genius it's definitely a study of a very particular corner of the arts in terms of focusing on classical music and that world and your you know what what we're, what we're looking at is a a very successful person in that world of a certain generation who believes themselves to be untouchable and they behave in that way. And yet, and yet I found myself drawn to this person drawn to, you know this is Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr drawn to their their convictions their commitment to their belief in what um, their role is what their gift is what their vision is and there are a couple of set pieces early in the movie that give us such a strong flavour of how a person in that role is is um, you know fated and fawned over um, and how they walk 
in that light and how unashamed they can be in their behavior so there are there are aspects there are aspects of me too in this except we're dealing with um a gay protagonist uh, uh Kate Blanchett's character is gay and in a relationship with her partner slash wife and they're raising a daughter um and I found myself thinking this this behavior and this misbehavior of this person in power how would we view this if we were looking at a male a straight male protagonist and I understand from listening to Todd Field being interviewed that he was very aware of that that let's put a female into this role and see what that looks like and I don't know what other what other actor what other actress could play that role so well there's something about Kate Blanchett and how sort of patrician she is that that sort of highbrow vibe she can give off that I belong at the highest levels of society vibe she can give off and it is her physicality it is her face it is those cheekbones it is those eyes it is that confidence and that intelligence and it is that voice and she brings it all to bear Um, and she is just doing this dance in her life throughout the movie and just slowly slowly we just begin to see the wheels come off and it's it's just done really brilliantly and there are certain choices that are made um one choice and i don't know if todd field wrote this into the script or if this was kate blanchett but one choice is simply the way she pronounces her daughter's name and the name is petra but that is not how kate blanchett or how lydia tar pronounces the name and that by itself the second i heard it my cogs were turning going what's that about why what is this sort of deliberate alternative pronunciation um what's that telling us about this character and they're striving for exceptionalism um or their their insistence on imprinting their mark even on their their daughter's name um and there's one great scene um later in the movie um where Kate Blanchett uh is talking to another character and refers to herself as her daughter's father which I just thought was brilliant it was so unexpected and so confident and confrontational and yeah just again just brilliant um so yeah it's 
I think it's a super movie and just watch it for Kate Blanchett just watch it and be in on be in on the sort of I, I, I feel I, I, I shouldn't say be in on the joke but I think we're we're being invited to go isn't this insane <laughs> isn't this insane how these figures are given so much room and given so much uh, slack and allowed to behave so badly um, um, but she is such a compelling performer you just enjoy spending time with her no matter what she's doing and it's a beautiful film to look at as well and there are great supporting performances and some quite comical performances maybe none more so than Mark Strong uh, as a sort of a lesser conductor who Kate Blanchett uh, you know tolerates but barely um, yeah so again just just really really if you haven't seen it make it your business to see it um, and enjoy enjoy the ride and enjoy the enjoy the punchline um, that comes at, at the very end um, and there's something very tragic about that punchline um, but again a film that's that's not pandering to the audience that's not trying to make it easy for the audience that offers a lot of space um, with which to view the protagonist um, and to make up one's own mind what one thinks of her uh, but I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and didn't find Lydia Tarr as beastly or immoral as some others but maybe I was just enjoying Kate Blanchett's acting um, maybe if I watch it again I'll come down harder on her her character um, yeah so what <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what 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 wellness idea I can I can attach to Tar. I think um, I think it's uh, yeah, just you got to keep your <laughs> you got to keep the reins on, keep your ego in check, and um, just be very careful, be very careful. Um, in how you deal with others um, because it might be all it might be so lovely all the way to the top but when you're coming down that's when you're going to see the people you've mistreated uh, I mean that's a very that's you know I can't you know in all seriousness I'm not sure I can I'm not sure I can tie anything to um, to that it's uh 
yeah you're in rarefied company when you're with Lydia Tarr but it is a fascinating character study of someone who perhaps created their own myth um, and there are very overt and clear indications of that particularly to the the you know the latter part of of the movie um and it's i don't know i find myself as i say that thinking about maybe the wellness idea is be careful of how far you travel away from yourself um it's going to be much harder to sustain the further away you are from who you are that is not a version of yourself that will last it won't it won't hold up it won't be able to protect you um i find myself thinking straight away of karate self-defense the further away from your body from your torso from your core your block is the less effective it is and the closer to your core the stronger it is and so if you take that idea and go am i living authentically or is this persona i've built really really far away from who i am because i think that brings the self into crisis and i think of will smith and the oscars last year and him uh him slapping kevin hart no chris rock sorry um slapping chris rock and my argument then and now is Will Smith's persona got the better of him and ran away with him um, and led him to that sort of crazy act. Um, and that maybe is, 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 is analogous to what plays out for, for Lydia Tarr. But um, yeah. Again, I've I've gone I've I've tried to give you very few actual details of things that play out in the story, but um, in the movie, but it really is well worth checking out. And woke politics and identity politics play out in the movie, um, and the sort of the arrogance of youth plays out in the movie as well. Um, and that's a very key part of how Lydia targets outmaneuvered at one point because her her vanity and ego blind her to the threat of of who she perceives to be a potential protege slash lover. Um so yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a thorny, spiky movie. But um, really, really brilliant and well worth well worth checking out. Um, okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to I'm going to leave you with um, 
I'm going to leave you with two things. I'm going to put in that clip uh, from episode 34 of the podcast, um, which was a podcast where, in which I spoke about the episode was called Liminality Isn't Criminality. And I think it was called Living in the Human Zone. And I was talking about zones of behavior and where we transgress and what can happen between zones. Um, and it was, at the, it was at the end of that episode that I spoke about um, Sinead O'Connor's son and his death. Because um, I make reference to a liminal zone in what I say. So I'm going to play you that clip next. And then I'm going to finish up with uh, one of my favourite Sinead O'Connor songs which to me feels particularly poignant at the moment and that is how I'm going to end today's episode so I won't play out with my normal music Um, so I'll say my, my farewells now and yeah, you can throw me some love on social media. The links will be there wherever you're listening to this episode. You can support this podcast using the Patreon link. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. If you want to get behind this independent weekly endeavor, um, you can do that. And I'd be very grateful for whatever you can contribute. And if you can't, don't worry about it. Um, but if you've if you want to support in other ways, yeah, do that. Leave a comment, leave a recommend, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. And that all helps. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I'm just very grateful <laughs> one way or another. Okay, so I will talk to you next week. Stay safe, stay well, reach out to someone if you feel like talking, if you need a just if you need a bit of love, if you need a bit of support, if you need a hug, don't, you don't have to carry the whole burden by yourself all the time. People care. Um, I guarantee you there's someone out there who cares. So take a chance and um, get that help. And of course, if things are really serious, seek professional help, professional counselling, whatever it takes. Um, you know, you'll, you'll benefit from that. And on that note, I will tell you to mind yourself, okay? Mind yourself, mind yourselves, take care, and I will talk to you next week. All the best. Cheers. I just want to finish today's episode to by, by acknowledging uh, Sinead O'Connor's loss. She lost her son to, to suicide last week. Um a young man he was only 17 um uh, i think he was he was donald lunny's son also i just think it's so sad he he yeah it was this kind of beautiful looking kid uh, i wasn't really aware of any of his backstory apparently he'd had some very serious mental health issues and his mother Sinead, the the singer she's kind of an icon really i've always had an enormous I've always had enormous um, affection for Sinead O'Connor. Um, she's had a messy life, 
and she's been very messy at times but I feel she's always been a voice of truth um, even though she's tried on a lot of different hats um, she's always kind of been out there and very messily authentic sometimes misguided sometimes lost sometimes clearly um, a person in a lot of pain and distress and yet I still I still see her as someone I find her quite inspiring in many ways and I just I don't know my heart breaks for her at the moment what a horrendous loss she was appealing to her son on social media not to do anything to himself and it all came to pass quite quickly it seemed over over a couple of days and she has been in the media subsequently expressing her her anger at institutions and then she's apologized for that anger and it's just a it's a terrible thing and I don't know I, I just found myself asking you know what what can we do really I mean there must be more we can do to to create something culturally something in our national psyche in our in our in our sort of national sensibility that makes vulnerable people regardless of their age i mean being a teenager that age is particularly you know that's that zone that liminal zone leaving adolescence entering adulthood it's a can be a very fraught time but it's not just young men who kill themselves you know and it's not just you know it's women it's everyone it's whoever you know old people young people you know suicide self-harm the urge to self-destruction the sense of the sense of having no other choices the sense of being overwhelmed i mean you know i i can definitely i can relate to it there are aspects of my own depressive episodes that certainly go to that place even still um i've i'm lucky that i've I've developed pretty good strategies to cope with that and not act out. Um, but I think, as I say, it, it's something I feel I, I have quite a bit of insight into. Um, and yeah, I just think it's 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 just a terrible it's a terrible tragedy. It's a terrible loss, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to to help us talk more about it to help us feel um there are avenues to express our fear our sadness our darkness that we can cultivate cultivate something culturally socially across you know across all sectors that makes people feel there's a safe there's a safe space there's a safe safe space to express this version of myself there's a safe space to to unload there's a safe space to be completely broken um and i'll be supported um and i'm not going to be condemned or or judged for this um i don't you know it's not as simplistic as that there are other aspects of course to anyone's suffering but yeah i just um my thoughts and my heart is with with that family and the people connected to that you know that beautiful young man and how terrible it is that that he's gone and and yeah my sympathies to anyone who's had to come into contact with that that experience um not 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 that specific one Sinead O'Connor's son but in in a general sense um 
maybe all of us have been touched in some way by stories like that so there you go let's um i don't know let's do better let's let's contribute to something better if we can let's not be afraid to put our hands up and go this is what i think i'm gonna leave you there and um yeah sorry to maybe no i'm not gonna apologize this is important stuff this is important stuff it's it's worth talking about we shouldn't be afraid of it and we shouldn't be afraid to allow ourselves to feel things um and we shouldn't be afraid to allow ourselves to dwell on these areas of loss it's a it's a loss to us all when someone takes that choice it's um it's a wound it's a wound in ways we're we're all responsible for in some way um if we care about our our fellow travelers on this on this earth in this heart lies for you a lark born only for you who sings only to you my love my love my love i am waiting for you for only to adore you my heart is for you my love my love my love this is my grief for you for only the loss of you the hurting of you my love my love my love there are rays on the weather soon these tears will have cried all loneliness have died my love my love my love I will have you with me in my arms only for you are only my love